Hello everyone and welcome to the Stephen King cast, one man's musings on the works of Stephen King. Once I reviewed each of his works in the chronological order of publication, but Ka is a wheel, it all goes round again, and here I am once more, back at the beginning of a new phase of the journey, to examine each of the endings of the works of Stephen King, to determine whether or not King deserves his reputation for having an inability to successfully land his endings. The focus of the podcast moving forward is to examine the climax, falling action, and resolution of the endings of each of his novels and break it down by character, themes, conflict, and plot to determine whether or not it meets the criteria of being an objectively good ending. I will also weigh in on whether or not I like the ending. So what we're going to be doing today, we are going to be discussing Firestarter. And in order for me to discuss the ending of Firestarter, I would like to read the Wikipedia summary so I have a uh, context to place the ending into. Andy and Charlie, uh, Charlene, Charlie McGee are a father-daughter pair on the run from a government agency known as The Shop. During his college years, Andy had participated in a shop experiment dealing with Lot 6, a drug with hallucinogenic effects similar to LSD. The drug gave his future wife, Victoria Tomlinson, minor telekinetic abilities and him a telepathic form of mind control he refers to as the push. They both developed telepathic abilities. Andy and Vicky's powers were psychologically limited, physiologically limited, in case, in his case, overuse of the push gives him crippling migraine headaches and minute brain hemorrhages. They developed frightening pyrokinetic abilities. The novel begins with Charlie and Andy on the run from shop agents in New York City, the latest in a series of attempts by the shop to capture Andy and Charlie following a disastrous raid on the McGee family in suburban Ohio. After years of shop surveillance, a botched operation to take Charlie leaves her mother dead. Andy, receiving a psychic flash while having lunch with colleagues, rushes home to discover his wife murdered and his daughter kidnapped. He then uses his push ability to track the, tra the trail of Charlie and the shop agents, catching up to them at a rest stop on the interstate. He uses the push to incapacitate the shop agents, leaving one blind and the other comatose. Charlie and Andy flee and begin a life of running and hiding, using assumed identities. They move several times to avoid discovery before the shop catches up to them in New York. Using a combination of the push, Charlie's power, and hitchhiking, the pair escapes through Albany, New York, and is taken in by a farmer named Irv Manders near the fictional town of Hastings Glen, New York. However, they are tracked down by shop agents who attempt to kill Andy and take Charlie at the Manders farm. At Andy's instruction, Charlie unleashes her power, incinerating the entire farm and fending off the agents, killing a few of them. With nowhere else to turn, the pair flees to Vermont and takes refuge in a cabin that had once belonged to Andy's grandfather. With the Manders Farm operation disastrously botched, the shop's director, Captain James Cap Hollister, calls in a shop hitman named John Rainbird to capture the fugitives. Rainbird, a Cherokee and Vietnam veteran, is intrigued by Charlie's power and eventually becomes obsessed with her, determined to befriend her and eventually kill her. This time the operation is successful, and both Andy and Charlie are taken by the shop. The pair is separated and imprisoned at the shop headquarters located in the fictional Washington, D.C. suburb of Longmont, Virginia. With his spirit broken, Andy becomes an overweight drug addict, seemingly loses his power, and is eventually deemed useless by the shop. Charlie, however, defiantly re refuses to cooperate with the shop and does not demonstrate her power for them. Six months pass until a power failure provides a turning point for the two. Andy, sick with fear and self-pity, somehow regains the push subconsciously pushing himself to overcome his addiction, and Rainbird, masquerading as a simple janitor, befriends Charlie and gains her trust. To be still powerless and addicted, 
Andy manages to gain crucial information by pushing his psychiatrist. Under Rainbird's guidance, Charlie begins to demonstrate her power, which has grown to fearsome levels. After the suicide of his psychiatrist, Andy is able to meet and push Cap, using him to plan his and Charlie's escape from the facility. As well as finally to communicate with Charlie, Rainbird discovers Andy's plan, however, and decides to use it to his advantage. Andy's plan succeeds, and he and Charlie are reunited in a barn for the first time in six months, but Rainbird is already there, planning to kill them both. A crucial distraction is provided by Cap, who is losing his mind from a side effect of being pushed. Andy pushes Rainbird into leaping from the upper levels of the barn, breaking his leg. Rainbird then shoots Andy in the neck and fires another shot at Charlie, but she uses her power to melt the bullet in midair and then sets uh, Rainbird and Cap on fire. Mortally wounded, Andy then instructs Charlie to use her power to escape and to inform the public to make sure that the government cannot do anything like this ever again. He dies and, grief-stricken and furious, Charlie sets the barn on fire. She exits the barn and people start going after her. She uses her pyrokinesis to kill the employees and blow up their getaway vehicles. People try to flee and some do. Military men are called, but Charlie blows up their vehicles. When they fire at her, she melts their bullets. Charlie blows up the building, leaving the Longmont facility burning with almost all of its workers dead. The event is covered up by the government and released to the media as a terrorist firebomb attack. The shop quickly reforms under new leadership and begins a manhunt for Charlie, uh, who has returned to the Manders farm. After some deliberation, she comes up with a plan and leaves the Manders just ahead of the shop operatives and heads to New York City. She decides on Rolling Stone magazine as an unbiased, honest media source with no ties to the government, and the book ends as she arrives to tell them her story. So, in order to talk about the ending of Firestarter, we are going to um, discuss the climax onward. So, if the conflict of the novel is Andy and Charlie on the run from the shop, then the climax is the ending of that conflict when it meets its um, when it meets its natural end. So, Andy and Charlie are abducted by the shop. So, everything from that point forward we're talking about. So Andy and Charlie abducted by the shop. The falling action is Andy facilitating the escape, dying in the process, which unleashes Charlie's rage upon the shop. And the resolution is Andy escaping, I'm sorry, uh, Charlie escaping um, and making her way to the Rolling Stone offices to tell them her story. Okay, so in order to determine whether or not this is objectively a good ending and whether or not it's subjective to me, whether or not I like it, uh, there's a number of questions that we have to ask. The first question is this. Does it provide an appropriate conclusion to its characters that are consistent with the characters' actions, conflicts, or themes from the book? I would say yes. The entirety of the novel focused on the premise of this father and daughter duo on the run from a shadowy government agency. The natural bond between the two of them is ripped apart by the insidious plans of the shop. It makes the villains more villainous and the heroes more heroic, and it adds a layer of Disney-level tragedy upon this story. It feels like Dumbo by way of Stephen King. Not only does King ratchet up the emotional stakes by separating Andy and Charlie, but he gets Andy addicted to meds and Charlie slowly seduced by the villainous John Rainbird, again feeling like a classic Disney cartoon villain, like uh, Honest John from Pinocchio. 
With the characters at the mercy of the clutches of the shop, they feel completely powerless, which increases the tension as we make our way to the ending. We know that they're not going to rot in separate rooms until the novel runs out of story, so how are these two going to get out of this? King turns the novel from a story of this pair on the run into an escape from prison plot. Both versions of the story keep our heroes entirely relatable and make you root for them because of the overwhelming odds stacked against them. Despite each of their superpowers, they are vulnerable throughout the entire third act, and Charlie's rage against the shop in the conclusion is the most satisfying conclusion to a King story yet. It's now the fourth ending, the fourth novel to end in flames, but the one most appropriate for the character. For a character who wields fire, we need to see her burn her enemies to the ground. For the rest of the characters, their fates are appropriate for the story being told. In classic storytelling tradition, the mentor needs to die for the main character to become the hero. So in this sense, Andy needed to die. It's sad. It's, it's very sad. It's one that gets me whenever I think about it. A dad leaving his poor daughter all alone in the world that wants to use her. Um, it's a very bleak ending. And most recently, King provided an alternative to this, uh, spoiler alert, for the Institute. Um, spoiler alert again. Um, in, the, in the Institute, the main superpowered child loses his family, but at least he doesn't have to go through life on his own, stalked by a shadowy government agency. He's adopted by another of the characters after a truce is established between our heroes and the villains. So despite the tragedy of the events of the book, there is at least a future of hope. With Charlie, there's the hope that her story, um, once published in the pages of Rolling Stone, will shatter the power of the shop. But there's no guarantee that they won't stop coming for her. And having first her mother, then her father brutally murdered by the government, a little girl all alone in the world who has the power to crack the world in half might just grow up to do that, and I wouldn't blame her. So I would say yes, King Rax wraps up the characters in a very consistent way based on the premises of the story. Next question. Does it successfully wrap up the plot? Specifically, do the events build upon one another with consistency? As I just mentioned in my breakdown of the characters, absolutely. The story is called Firestarter. If there isn't a fire ending, then what's the point? Throughout the story, we are teased with her powers and we wonder when we get to see her unleash them upon her attackers. Here and there, we get glimpses, glimpses, snippets of her ability, but it's only until the end, when this poor kid, who has had everything robbed from her, do we get to see her fury unleash and it's blisteringly satisfying. It is a wonderful ending, it is course tinged with tragedy but the bad guys get it we feel satisfied with that we get to see this little girl unleash all of her grief and her rage on the people that deserve her grief and rage again the 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 death of of andy it was always hard for me to read you know when i first read it you know when i was like 12 or whatever it it really affected me but obviously now as a father i mean it, it really gets me when i think about that but I feel that this is where the characters, the ends of the characters, bleed into the, the, the ending of the plot because it, it motivates our character to um, enact what we want from the plot. So it makes, it makes perfect sense. Does the conclusion serve the theme, the symbolism, and the motifs? Well, uh, there's a lot of fire and there's a lot of burning. So I, I would say yes. Uh, in terms of symbols and imagery, yes. Um, she burns to the ground, her, her grief, um, her, her frustration is literalized through this fire. Uh, you know, if this is a commentary on um, 
you know, governmental institutions, uh, you know, enacting rigid uh, rules upon society members. This is the, the wrath against that. Um, really, I, th there's not much to, to glean in terms of larger um, metaphor in, in this novel. It, it really is what it is. It is a, a um, high-octane um, sci-fi thriller. It's what it is. It's what it was imagined to be. It's what we get. It works for what it is. It is, uh, it is the, um, the full realization of the author's intent. Are there other factors that we need to consider? Um, yeah, I, I think that there there is now that we're living in 2020. Because um, within Firestarter, King posits a world in which the news will be able to undermine the government's agency. Um, that that truth is a fixed axiom without interpretation, and when Charlie's truth is presented, it will provide a hopeful conclusion to her story. In 2020, the concept of truth and the positive power of the media seem woefully outdated. And this is not a criticism against King. He could not have foreseen the degradation of our institution or our norms, but it's very apparent now that there would be no salvation for Charlie by seeking out a liberal magazine. In fact, it might put her in more danger. So the idea that the media not being able to save us, um, it's, it's, a haunting, uh, it's a haunting juxtaposition when you compare um, the, the, the story now compared to when it was written. But I think that that's something that we need to consider when thinking about it. Um, and, you know, in, in one last thing before I get to the, my, my thoughts. Again, I'm gonna, I've said it before, but I find it amazing that we have not found ourselves with a, a remake of Firestarter on our hands. A big-budget Firestarter um, could do really, really well at the box office. You know, I mean, because I think that it would check a lot of superhero um, and super-powered, um, you know, uh, interests out there. It would check off all the Stephen King interests, which is a big box office get right now. Um, you know, and a, a fear of governments. So I, I think that it is Hollywood is ready for a Firestarter remake, a big-budget Firestarter remake. I think that it could be really, really good. Um, so I it has my vote. For, for making that. Okay, do I like the ending? Subjectively speaking, yes, I do like the ending. I think that it is tragic. I think it is gut-wrenching. I think that it's one of the saddest endings that, that King has ever written, the, 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 the breaking of the relationship uh, between Andy and Charlie is, is really heartbreaking for them to be abducted and then separated and then for them to get back together and then he die. It's just, it is so sad. Um, but it's good. It, I mean, it's, it's one that I like, and so I just kind of spoiled. Is it a good ending? Yes, I would say that it is. Um, I think that it is both a good ending and an ending that I happen to like. Uh, so right now, uh, we are six for six. I, I have argued that um, Carrie, Salem's Lot, The Shining, The Stand, The Dead Zone, and Firestarter um, all have good endings. And they're all endings that I happen to like. Um, I've also, uh, I'm not going to include it in the tally, but I also discussed The Outsider, uh, the ending to The Outsider, which if I was to include that in, in, in the tally, um, it would be six out of seven uh, on both counts. Um, but I mean, Outsider, the, the TV show, not, not, the, not the book. But remember that the, the, the point of the podcast as it stands now is to examine 
uh, the the argument and criticism that Stephen King doesn't know how to end his books. Um, if anyone disagrees with uh, my my conclusions thus far, please write into Stephen Kingcast at yahoo.com because I have found, you know, that he generally does know how to end his books, and I think that by looking at the endings from the climax onward, it really shows you what goes into an ending. And a lot of times we, we think of one particular scene or one particular thing um, in an ending. Um, but, uh, but no, I, I believe that, uh, but I believe that we, uh, th that King is, is doing really, really well so far with the endings. There's one more thing that I forgot to include, and that was, um, is the most famous scene in, from the book in this, uh, in the ending. Um, and that, that doesn't make or break an ending, but that it is, um, you know, it, it definitely helps in some cases. And I would say the most, the most famous scene in the book for Firestarter, what could it be? I, maybe the, um, the, the showdown um, on the farm or the abduction in the, uh, at the lake house. Um, I think that when Andy... Uh, the, the flashback to tracking down Charlie after the shop, you know, uh, tries to abduct. Um, but then I, I think that from Andy's death onward, the, the reunion of Andy and Charlie and all the way to the end, I think that those, those, are, those might be the most famous scenes, uh, you know, but that's, again, sometimes objectivity and subjectivity, it, it's, it's a blurry line. So if you have any thoughts on... Uh, the ending of Firestarter, thoughts on a possibility of a movie, what you would like to see from that, what you would like to see in terms of casting, and anything else, um, please write into Stephen Kingcast at yahoo.com. Next week, we're going to be discussing Cujo. Um, and for longtime listeners, know that I was not uh, very complimentary of Cujo. Uh, so if you have um, any questions on how I feel about Cujo in its entirety, make sure that you check out uh, my, my review of, of Cujo, the, the book. Um, but I'm very interested to discuss the ending of Cujo. Um, and I have a couple emails from listeners regarding um, Cujo um, at, uh, for, ready to go for, for next week. So if you have any thoughts on Cujo as well, uh, feel free to write in at stephenkingcast at yahoo.com. All right, everyone, that's all that I have for now. Um, as always, stay safe out, stay, stay safe out there. Um, hope everyone's doing well. I'll continue doing the podcast as we continue through the, um, uh, the pandemic. And I just, like I said, stay safe. And I'll see you next week as we discuss Cujo. So may you have long days and pleasant nights. And I'll see you next week where M-O-N spells Stephen King cast. Oh, I'm afraid.